Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and it inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. I'm Justin. I'm one of the uh, leadership team staff here at Haven. You can call me a pastor, but that's not my spiritual gift. And so if you come to me with your issues, I'll listen, but I'll probably just preach at you. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not my gifting, but I will sit with you because I do love you. Um, and I'll grip my teeth and bear through it. <laughs> I'm not Jeff, okay? <laughs> Jeff lo- or my wife, they love it. They will sit with you and cry with you and listen to you and just work you through those things. I will tell you a three-step process on how to fix your life, okay? <laughs> And I'll give you the step-by-step, and I'll give you a vision for the future, and that's who I am. Okay? But <laughs> I'm not <laughs> it's okay. Anyways, it's a good joke. It's a great joke, Justin. Okay, good morning. Let me say it again. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's been a while since I preached, hey? I, um, I realize that usually when I preach, I am the... Uh, one who is usually bringing a hard word from the Lord. Not <laughs> Wendy says not always. <laughs> Jeff tells me always. <laughs> uh, so I'll try not to be so hard this morning. But I, um, I'm, I'm excited for this morning. Let me just pray, and then I'm gonna just bring a word that is truly from the Lord this morning. Lord, we just thank you for all you've done this morning. We thank you that your presence is so thick in this place. We thank you, Lord, for this community, this family, Lord, that you have uh, been establishing here in Medicine Hat, in this house, Lord. Not this building, in this house, this family, this gathering together. We just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for, yeah, what you're going to do in people's hearts this morning, what you've already done. And, Lord, how you're going to continue to transform our minds this morning. I thank you for your word, Lord for your word that we can that we can stand on as true and steadfast god true and steadfast god i thank you for your faithfulness lord and i just pray that right now lord that you would speak through me god that it would be your words coming out of my mouth and not my words god your thoughts not my thoughts yeah i just pray that blessing right now in jesus name amen Whew, there's something on this season. Anybody else feel that way? Just a few of you. You'll get it. It's coming. Amen. Yeah. Okay, this morning I'm going to preach on um, faith. Yeah. And, and we've been going through this series called The Doctrine of God that kind of doesn't really have a set design of we're going from here, we're going to walk through these things, because every, everybody who preaches in this house is different, and um, which is kind of the beauty of this place, first of all, is that we have so many people who are gifted and talented in, and anointed to speak and to preach and to bring the word of the Lord, and, and it's all so different, and I love that because it means that every Sunday is exciting in one way or another, and it's not boring ever. Amen? I hope you're not bored ever. I always get excited when uh, Jeff comes up to preach or Joel because it's just so different than how I preach. But it's so edifying to my spirit and to my soul to get to hear different people bring the word. And so Joel preached a couple weeks ago on faith. And I, I went to the Lord this week and I said, God, I, like, I don't know what you want me to bring this week. I don't have something burning in me yet. So what's the word to burn this week, Lord, in my spirit? And he said, Justin, I want you to speak on me being faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And, and I want you to preach on what faith is. And you'll see how those two kind of tie together as we get going here this morning. But um, the, to be honest, this is kind of how I felt my whole Christian life. And I was raised in the church. My dad's a pastor. But we talk about faith. And faith is this thing, this substance. And, it, and it's also this resource. And it's this thing that we, we constantly are just 
Like, it seems like we're trying to always get more of it. And I always found it so hard to understand of what it was that I was trying to get. Like, I don't know how many people, like, like I want faith, because from what I understood of faith and what I definitely understand of faith now, I know that faith, it says in the word that faith is the only thing that pleases God. Whoa, that's a big deal. So what the heck is it? And how do I get more of it? And, and so these questions go through my mind, and I'm like, you know, Jesus, like you said, like, if you have faith, you can move the mountains, and if you have faith, you'll be healed, and you have faith, if you have faith, if you have faith, but I just can't seem to have enough of it, and how do I get more? Because I don't even think I know what it is. How many people feel like that when they go through life? They're like, I see other people, and like, the Lord moves in faith through them. They clearly have faith, because miracles happen, or somebody had faith in this situation, right? And so, and I'm just like, man, that person has so much faith. They're walking through that trial, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I could be like that. I don't know if I could have their response. I don't know if I could live the life that they have chosen to live in faith. But I sure want to know what it's like to have that amount of faith. Amen? And so this, this week when the Lord brought that to me, I'm like, God, I don't even know if I can preach on faith because I don't know what faith is. I don't know how to get it. And I feel like a fraud if I would just preach on what it is. And so Fortunately, we have so much resource, and, and as I just studied this week, so I'm coming to you vulnerably here. This is not a word that I have lived out at all, okay? And I don't like preaching that, because personally, I personally believe that when I get up to preach, it should be something that I live. It should be something that I literally walk out every day of my life, and this is new to me these understandings. Faith isn't new to me, obviously. That's why I'm a leader in this house, okay? Faith isn't new, but this reality of faith, it really rubbed up against some of who I, like, what I thought about faith, and, and I just want to be vulnerable in that. I want you to hear me, like, I'm, like, I, there is 457 references in the ESV to faith, and I read through most of them this week. There's a crap ton to go through with faith. Like, it's a lot. Like, I did not have enough. I was writing my sermon at 9.50 this morning when I'm supposed to be here in prayer. I was finishing my sermon because there's just so much to get through. So I'm not going to tell you that I have it all together here this morning and that I live this. But sure shooting, I'm going to have to live out some of this this week. I know it. Sure shooting, you know? <laughs> Woo! Okay. So hopefully you can relate to me in some of this this morning. Amen? That was a Western reference just for you, Dwayne. <laughs> you cowboy. <laughs> oh, I love you. All right. Okay, so it's best for us to go to the Bible, obviously, about what faith is. But what I love about the Bible is it wasn't written in English. How many people know that? So English translations are like almost what the Bible describes about itself, like a foggy mirror, okay, of the truth, because we don't have the context. And even more unfortunately, we're not re raised as Jewish people. So we also don't have the Jewish culture embedded in us. So we don't have like most of us wouldn't have grown up with the realities so that when we read the scripture, first of all, we're not even reading it in any kind of original language. Second of all, we're not getting the culture that informs what's written here. And we're not getting the history, and we're not getting the generation of that. And that's kind of the downfall of modern-day churches. Like we're a lot of people who grew up Gentiles. We don't have that Jewish culture. And so I love, as somebody who loves to investigate things, so that I can teach them and live them, I love to look at the languages that these were translated from. And so the, the word faith, like, again, there's 457 references just in the ESV um, on faith. And so, but I, I really want to know, because the word faith, like, we're going to get two pictures, because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and the New Testament is written in Aramaic and Greek, right? And so we get... The beauty of that is we get two languages, two cultures informing the word that we translate as faith. And the English language is dull. It's so bad. Like, 
think about that word. Like, you're going to understand really in a, in a minute here when I get into it. But faith feels like that word. If we just, faith. Everybody say faith. That feels like nothing, hey? When we say it. It's kind of the problem with the English language and with, our fa- with, with, with Christianity is we're, we live in that with the English language, unfortunately. You're all kind of like a step lower than every other language in the world. You get a step... Okay, some of you don't like this, what I'm saying, but I love you. I, like, English is the only language I can actually speak. And, but at the same time, we get like a notch lower than the rest of the world because our language sucks. <laughs> and we don't get the meaning behind it. So the thing is, is like, even if you study French, like how many, everybody should be, have studied French at some point in their life. Come on, raise your hands. French, like we know that we learn French, we learn masculine and feminine words. Right, there's even the, the way that we speak to different, it, and so it's, there's, like, there's adjectives describing words that are described differently with feminine, and are you following me? So, but the cool thing about Hebrew and, and Greek is that Hebrew specifically, and the ancient Hebrew was literally written with letters that were pictographs. Did you know that? And so ancient Hebrew is translated into modern Hebrew from pictographs, essentially, and so they have pictures that describe the words, okay, and gives meaning, context, history, and culture to them. And we miss that because we have words like faith, <laughs> which means nothing to me and makes everything extremely confusing. Are you with me? Okay, so let's flip our Bibles open. If you have your Bible, I encourage you, I will try not to go on a tangent, you're Physical Bible is utmost important in your life, okay? Okay, I'm going to go on a tangent. Okay, brief removal from my word, from the word of faith this morning. Okay, Hebrews 11 is where you're going if you have your Bibles, okay? I'm not going to scold you too hard about having not of having a physical Bible, but tr- t- I'm telling you, scientifically speaking, you learn things better when you take out a pen, a highlighter, and you write on a page, it like multi- I can't remember the stat off the top of my head right now, but I've said it so many times. It literally multiplies your ability to remember things. So if you read and you don't at least highlight or underline, you are missing the opportunity to actually remember things better. God created you to remember things better when you actually have an action behind what you're learning. Are you with me? So the action is highlighting, underlining. In my Bible, I like write all over it. I have little letters for references. It's amazing. I don't care that I write all over my Bible. It's important for me to remember it, right? This is important. Okay, all right. Tangent over. Okay, Hebrews 11. This is the the most, Hebrews 11 is, if you go to Bible college, I didn't go to Bible college, but I did study um, in some ways because um, in my last church, I had to get uh, a license to become a minister, and so that I had to study and make sure that I knew all the things that people knew in Bible college. I don't, but I try. Okay. Um, Hebrews 11 is what they would call the faith chapter in the Bible. Okay. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Can we get that up on the screen? Is you, Zach, are you guys good to follow me here? I didn't give you any references, so thank you very much. Now, faith. Oh, I can read up there, too. Now, fa- no, I'm going to read it down here. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. How many people know that? Okay, all right, faith. We're going to start with the Greek, faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Okay, now the Greek word for faith here is pistis. Okay, nobody wanted to say that word. Okay, I know why. I know. I'm with you. Come on, you can say it. Pistis. Okay, you're learning Greek and Hebrew today. It's going to be good, okay? Pistis. Pistis means, the root of that word means persuasion. It means to be persuaded. The Greek word for faith means, actually, it means to be fully persuaded by God of something. So let me just rub up against your your theology here for a second. You can't persuade yourself of something about God and have faith in God. You can't work it up. That's not the definition of the word. You can't well up and, and make force faith to happen in you. It actually says in Scripture, faith is a gift from God. 
That's hard to understand if you don't know the reference of that word. To be persuaded by God alone. If to have faith in God means to be persuaded by God. So this is hard because we in this room, most of you, at least that I know, are charismatics. Okay? We love. We love this. Okay? We love to go, Lord, I believe this is going to happen. Woo! We dance. We scream. And we try to make it happen. (laughs) Come on. I'm not the only one in the room who has done this. I've seen you all at our prayer meetings. Please, Lord. Okay. I know I'm rubbing up against you right now. It, it, this hurt me, okay, this week, learning this. I'm like, Lord, then how the heck do I get it? How do I get more faith? If, all of, if I can't do that, what can I do? Because, like, sometimes that's all I want to do is pretend like it's going to be the way. And fake it till I make it. But that's not what the Bible describes as faith. It's God-given. Sorry, my mic's down here. Okay. It's God-given. It's literally, if you dig into it, it is a revelation given by the mouth of God convincing you that that reality that you cannot see is actually true. It's actually real. It's actually there and tangible. That's what faith is. Okay, in the Greek, get it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. I could read, like, there, again, 457 references. Okay, that's the Greek. This is what um, Romans says. Paul in Romans says this. He says in Romans 10, 17, you don't have to flip there because you won't get there fast enough. It says, faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. This is Paul. Okay, it's important. The Greek is important in, in this passage too. How many people know that the word, the word, in Scripture, when it's translated, again, English sucks. In English, the word word actually has two meanings. Did you know that? Everybody knows the word word means Scripture. We translate it as the Scriptures often, or the law, okay? But that is the logos word. Say logos. Logos, good, okay. Logos word. It's the written word, okay? But to become written, it actually needs to be spoken and heard. And so we actually have this other word for word called rhema. Everybody say rhema. Rhema. And in this verse, when I grew up, I was told this was the logos word. That's how I was believed to, to go through my life. I believed that the scriptures were the only, spoke, the only word of God still available. And I can tell you right now that that is the rhema word of God. And Paul wasn't referencing that you go through the scriptures and the law of God to get faith. He was referencing that you actually have to go to the spirit of God in communion with him, in relationship, and beside him, however you want to look at it, looking up at him, talking to him, being with him. And when I say looking up at him, I don't mean in heaven. I mean like God is your father holding you in your, uh, his arms and you're looking at him like John on Jesus' chest on his bosom, as the Bible says. Come on, that's funny. Okay, I always laugh at that. Only four other people are immature like me and laugh every time they read the word bosom in the Bible. Come on, Zach's giving me a thumbs up. Okay, but that's the picture, okay, that you're supposed to go for is the reality that Jesus and, and the Father is like right there and like you're just going to the Father. You're like, Father, like, like, I need faith. And the Lord just speaks the rhema, his spoken word, the same word that formed all of creation. The same words that spoke into existence everything that is. That's, he's going to speak that. And that is what penetrates. It goes through your ear all the way down. It penetrates your heart. It penetrates your soul and your mind. And it becomes faith, a revelation. Amen? 
This is the picture, and I will back that picture up with the Hebrew now. Are you ready? Okay. Anybody watch The Chosen? Okay. How many people know what Jesus calls his mom? Say it. Ima. Everybody say Ima. Ima. Okay. It means mother. Okay. Faith in the Hebrew. I'm going to make sure I say this right. Emuna. Emuna. Actually, Emuna. Everybody say Emuna. Okay. So, cool. Eh. Ima. Emu. That means it's a feminine word. The connotation or the, the, the picture here in the Greek or in the Hebrew, sorry, is that it's actually a motherly word. Faith is a motherly reality. And I'm going to break it down even more because when you get into the pictographs, it can wreck your mind even more. So we have, I think, five letters, okay, in the Hebrew, five pictographs that are translated, okay, in the ancient Hebrew. And I'm just going to talk about three, with the, three of them, okay? But the first one that I want you to, to know is that um, there is a word in there called aman. And aman refers to this steadfast steadiness support of a nursing mother to their infant. That's what that, that, the steadfastness and the reality that when you're an infant, you are only fed by your mother. You don't worry about where it comes from. You don't think about that you're going to fall off at any point or fall to the ground. You're an infant being fed and your mother is steadfast in caring for you. And if it's a mother that is like God, where he's always faithful, he's always true, he's always with you, he's always providing. If it's a mother like that, you never have to worry about where that comes from. The sustenance there that's being given to you is faith, and you're not worried about welling up your faith inside of you of trying to manifest your own faith. You don't actually have to. Because if you're, if you're doing it right, like how many people have babies that freak out when they're getting fed? If they're getting fed and they know what's happening, they're totally good. They'll stay there forever. In fact, if you have the opportunity and the blessing of being able to breastfeed, and I ha- have a few kids that have, they fall asleep all the time when it happens. Because there is no other thought in their mind when they're getting fed. They're just chill. Amanda's laughing at me because I have to talk about this. (laughs) And we're talking about this as I learned this, and I'm just getting smacked by the reality. And she's like, ha, you get to preach it, sucker. (laughs) It's weird for a guy to talk about that. No, (laughs) it's good. So Aman, okay, it's like steadiness assuredness. And man, I'm just going to sit on that picture. You're a baby. You're an infant to the Lord, but you are his child and you don't have to. You don't have, that's why Peter, in Peter, it says, don't worry, cast all your anxieties on the Lord. Are you getting this? Like, and they knew this. Why? They knew this because the word faith had the picture of this mother in it. So they don't have to like, kind of question what faith means. They're like, I already know because the pictographs are telling me, my culture is informing me. Every, they don't question what faith is. It's like so much easier for them to understand. We're like, are you getting why we're a leg down here in English, English culture? Like this is just part of the word, okay? Whew. My wife said some other really good things that I can't remember right now, but I'm sure one day she'll talk to you about it if you want to hear it. So, so that just to back up, so we have in the Greek, faith is revelation by the spoken word of God to us. That's how we build faith. That's how we receive faith. Because here's the thing, even in salvation, you have received faith. And the beautiful thing about my belief system, if you believe differently, that's up to you, is that we all get the opportunity to receive it. Amen? 
And so it doesn't matter how you believe, predestination, all that stuff, okay, whatever you believe, the, the beautiful thing, in my opinion, because I believe that Paul was right when he said that it's for all people, not just Jews, but Gentiles, women, men, children, slave, free, all of us. The beauty of that is that we all have the opportunity to receive faith. And we get, we get that opportunity. We get to choose. We get to partner with the word and choose Yes, that reality is true. That reality is, it is real. And now I can walk in it. And then the Lord, like, when we say yes to that, he connects our whole spirit and it becomes something so much greater than that. Wells up in us. Okay, the other part of the, word, the Hebrew word faith. So we have aman, okay? And the last two letters are mem and nun, Okay. I think it's actually none and then mem, okay? But mem, I'm going to do mem first, actually means liquid in its most simple form. But it's used for two things in the scriptures or in contexts. It's used for water and for blood. So we have this picture of motherly steadfastness. The first letter actually means firmness. Motherly steadfastness. And then the last word, which means water. How many people know what water represents in the Bible? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And then we have the blood. How many people know what the blood is? It's a sacrifice. It's Jesus. And then we have none, which means continuance through generation, from generation to generation, forever ongoing. And when you put these two words together, you get this picture of generational blessing of the blood. Can you let that sink in? Since the beginning of of the Hebrew language, they literally understood the sacrifice of blood and that their only way to be redeemed was through blood and that that promise and that blessing would continue through generations. And so they put that in the word faith so that we would all remember that the blood would be poured out then and again and that we would be saved by the blood. Come on, are you getting this? It's in the word faith, the blood of Christ. Come on. The Holy Spirit is a part of that. So we have like Greek, which is just representing the spoken word, which comes by the Spirit of God to our hearts because he dwells in us. The Spirit of Christ is in us, a temple. Come on. Ooh, come on. And he's in us, and that's how we hear him. And then we have this broader picture that they understood of this motherly love. And the only way we can get faith is literally by going to the Father for it. And hearing the word of God. But that the faith that we're given would be generationally blessing us from generation to generation past us. And that the blood of Christ would eventually absolve us of sin and put us back in a relationship to get more faith. Are you with me? Come on, this is a big deal. Like, I'm getting, it's big. Are you getting hit yet? Like, the word for faith in the Hebrew encompasses all of this. And the pictograph for the last word is literally a bull, like a little circle with two horns. It's crazy. Man, it's like, forgive me, Lord, for trying to stir up my own faith. Like, like, and not stir up is the wrong word, because it does say you can stir up faith, okay? But like to manifest your own faith, I just don't think that's real anymore. And the beauty of these two words that describe faith throughout Scripture is that it's all about intimacy. It's all about relationship. It's the gospel. Like you can't get faith without Jesus. You can't get faith without the Holy Spirit. You can't get faith without sitting with him. Like you can believe that he existed, but if you want to ongoing believe that he's real every day, day in and day out, you need to get with him. You need to sit with him. You need to listen to him. Like some of you might have been raised in churches where you don't even believe you can hear the voice of God anymore. 
Okay, well, at the very least, this was a rhema word that has become a logos word, the scriptures. And in my Bible, I'm just going to flip to that verse. It actually says, let me get here. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And how many people know that faith is the assurance of things hoped for? Come on, that's Romans 15.4. If you're not taking notes, you should be. It's going to change your life because you're not going to have to, like, you're not going to have to try and manifest your own faith in the, anymore. There should be no question on where you get faith after today. It's an intimacy. It's intimacy. That's like the core meaning. The beautiful thing, and I have five points on how to get more faith, how to build faith with the Lord. Five places, okay? But the beauty is, is the core of all of them is that they all point you back to relationship with Jesus. They all point you back to intimacy. They all point you back to being the infant. And I love, like, there's a passage where somebody's, like, speaking to Jesus, and they're like, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Like, this is my heart posture. And somehow, some, some way, I change that into being, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm going to pretend I believe till I actually believe. But the problem is, is that the actual heart posture is back here, and it's actually saying, God, I want to believe so badly in this. I want this with my whole life. I want to know that this is so real. Come and speak to my heart and to my mind and persuade me, God, so that I can be utterly convinced and live in the truth, because this is the truth. And I want to live in this reality, because my reality sucks. Like nuclear warheads and crap, and like my bank account, and the economy, and government leaders I don't like. It doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with me. The world sucks. The news is constantly bad. Like I heard a sermon from like 12, 15 years ago, and the pastor was like, yeah, you just have to look at the news once to know. And this is like 15 years ago. This is pre-COVID. Like, this is pre-craziness. Pre-World War III, like, craziness. And he's saying it then. How much worse is it now? Like, I can't get on the news without somebody telling me how wrong I am for being happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they just want you, oh, this and this and this and fear. It's crap. I deleted my social medias for this reason a year ago. It's just not worth it. I don't need to know. Like, that's not the reality. It says in the Bible to fix your mind on heavenly things, on the things seated above where Christ is, where we are already seated. Where we in our spirit at salvation have been, our spirits have been seated there. And so get your mind off of nuclear war and get your mind in heaven where Jesus is. Woo, come on. And then maybe you could listen to him. You know, you'll hear his voice better if you get your head out of the crap and into the clouds. Okay, I'm serious. You will. I have so many verses that I haven't even got to, and it's seven minutes after 12 already. Okay. Oh, man. The beauty of studying is you end up with like 12 sermons, okay? At the end, when you really don't know anything, and then you're like, boom, this and this. It's beautiful, okay? All right. <laughs> okay. Here are the five ways, if you have your... your journals out. I encourage you to write these down. Five ways to build faith that God will move. Like Psalm 100. I quote Psalm 100 a lot because I'm a worship leader at heart, okay? And Psalm 100 is beautiful, but I, I like, it, there's just so much in it. But it says later in Psalm 100, it says that his faithfulness is for all generations. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And so, I don't remember where I was going with that. Okay, it went right out of my mind. 
faithfulness. How do we build faith? Oh, that God is, un- hi buddy, this is my son, Hezekiah. Hi. Um, that God is faithful yesterday, today, and forever, because this is what the Lord told me to speak on. He's faithful. So it says in his word that he's faithful yesterday, today, and forever. Right there, Psalm 100. There's your verse reference. You only need one. There's more, but you only need one, okay? Ha ha. <laughs> like nobody wants to laugh because I get so serious all the time. Ah, I'm sorry. <laughs> he is faithful. There we go. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all. Are you a generation? Say, I am a generation. You have the faithfulness of the Lord on you. Amen? Okay. All right. Okay. Five ways to build faith. First, I've already said it, the intimacy. Build your relationship with the Lord. I say this. I've said it in the past. I've heard it a bunch of times. I said it a number of weeks ago. Get your own word. Look, if you don't have the faith for your own word, then go get faith, like go build yourself in faith and get a word, okay? But if you keep going back to Dwayne's word or Joel's word or Jeff's word or Wendy's word, whoever's prophesying over you, if you keep going back to their word, you're not getting the true word. You're not getting the motherly affection. Oh, some people aren't going to be mad at me. The motherly affection of the father. You're not getting tapped in to the reality there. So if you go to their word, you're getting secondhand good stuff. It's still good, but it's not as good. You want firsthand, okay? I'm not going to say the things that are coming to my mind. You want to go firsthand to the Father. Relationship. I'm not saying it, Joel, okay? (laughs) I'm a human, as you all are, okay? (laughs) All the kids are like, what is he laughing about? Doesn't matter, okay? Moving on. First one, get in relationship. Get your own word. And, and, and there's no shame in getting prophetic words. Like, I go for prophetic words all the time. I love them. Because they do build your faith. But the intimacy with the Lord is the primary place. Like, Jesus exemplified this. Just read, I think it's the book of Luke, or I can't remember, it's Luke or John, but it says, like, a billion times in that gospel that Jesus left everybody else and he goes to a desolate place to be alone with the Father. Why? Because he needs to hear clearly the word of the Lord. Because it says in John that he does nothing but what the Father is doing. He sees what the Father is doing and he does it. And that's how we're to be. That's how we, another scripture reference, walk by faith, not by sight. You can't walk by faith if you don't know what God is doing because have we not just learned that faith comes from the Father alone? Are you with me? So we have to see what God is doing, hear what he is doing, and do that. So we've got to get a word. Okay, number two. Imitate the faith of those you admire. Hebrews 13, 7. 13, 7. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of, the way of, their, of their way of life and imitate their faith. Are you with me? So you can be stirred on by other people's faith. It can stir faith in you to see somebody else's faith. How many people, when they see a miracle happen, they're like, Woo! Come on, Jesus! That gets me pumped! You know, I get, it's good, but that is not my faith. That's their faith stirring in me to want more faith. Are you with me? Their faith is not your faith. Okay. Point number three. Read the word of God, the Logos word, the scripture. Okay. And these are in no particular order. So don't come to me and be like, Justin, this is more important than that. And your list sucks. And I don't care, okay? It's not in any particular order, except for intimacy first, because that's, for me, I believe that is the most important. You can just disagree with me all you want. But intimacy is the most, because that's the purpose of the gospel. So I win. You lose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
But after that, none of them are in any particular order, so don't get mad at me, okay? <laughs> okay, here's the verse, Romans 15.4. Did I already reference this earlier? I referenced it earlier. Okay, whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we believe these to be scriptures, amen? We might have hope. Back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Things hoped for. Okay, good. Point number four. Take steps of faith. This could be a whole sermon on its own. I'm pretty sure I've probably preached part of this. James 2. James 2. If you ever want to get shook up by the word of God, read James, and it'll tell you how sucky you are <laughs> about walking by faith. <laughs> And how meaningless your head knowledge is. And for somebody who loves to know a lot, it really corrects me. Okay? It's good. James 2. Okay? Your reference is James 2, 14 to 26. We could, okay? It's titled in my Bible, Faith Without Works is Dead. That summarizes that whole passage. I'm not going to read it because it's already quarter after 12. Tons in there. So take steps of faith. So in the context of faith, now we understand, I don't just go, yes, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then just walk off a cliff. <laughs> like, it's not it. All right? I'm, I'm really trying to hit this home. The purpose is for you to go into intimacy with the Lord, get a word from the Father, and do exactly what he's telling you to do. So that means if he says, so in my case, I'm just going to be humble here on this one. Never, several months ago, my wife and I had a word from the Lord that we were to be given a house from the Lord. Now, I can tell you, we did not get a house yet. And so what I, could happen in that context is I could say, oh, crap, maybe it wasn't the Lord. Or I go back to the Lord and I say, what gives, Lord? And trust me, I've done this a lot of times since then, okay? But I go, what gives, Lord? And I say, I missed timing on this. <laughs> Clearly, I've missed the timing on this. But I want to walk in your timing then. Okay? And truthfully, I don't actually believe we missed the timing on that. I actually believe that that was to stir faith in us, to make steps of faith towards where we are now, because I know down the road we are going to get a house from the Lord, and it's going to happen, and I'm not trying to manifest that myself. I keep going back to the Lord and say, Lord, I still don't see a house. And he still goes, Justin, I've got a house for you. You just have to be patient. It's coming. And I get word after word from other people that don't know that the Lord is going to provide for me. Okay? So I know this is a word from the Lord. You can tell me I'm crazy all you want, but I know because I get word after 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 word from other people and from the Lord that I'm right. And so the thing is, I don't see the reality of owning a house yet or having a house. It's not manifested yet. But the thing is, is I, I still have hope that that word is right. Why? Because I keep going to the Lord and he keeps telling me it's right. And it doesn't matter the timing. Like in this moment, it doesn't matter the timing. I have to keep hoping for the thing he's told me is going to happen. And then I say, okay, so when is your timing, Lord? Because if I miss the timing, then when is your timing? And so I, I go for the timing now. And it's like, okay, Lord, step by step. And, and, okay, maybe the timing is there. It's in the future. But that doesn't mean you just stop doing something. It doesn't mean, okay, later this thing is going to happen down here. And so I'm just going to wait for it to smack me across the face like a transport truck. That's not how that works. If you have faith, James says, then you need to do something about your faith. And if you're worried about the next step of faith you're supposed to take, if you don't know how you're going to get from point A to point B, then your job is to go back to the Father and say, God, I need help. I'm a baby. I don't know how to take another step. What's my next step? It's so basic, and I know I'm trying to hit it. I'm like really going back after this, but it's so basic. Some of you think, man, God doesn't care about my next step. Wrong. It's just wrong. Like, if, if you've never just talked to the Lord about what clothes you're going to wear, try it. See if he doesn't say, I don't give a crap. Like, he's not going to say that. Some of you are offended because I just said crap while I'm preaching too. Too bad, <laughs> okay? 
<laughs> I'm laughing. Some of you are not laughing. I don't care. <laughs> if I get fired on Monday, it'll be okay. <laughs> but I also know Jeff has said worse from the pulpit, so I'm good. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. No, but seriously, okay. Some of you who come from a background where God is too big, high and mighty and in the clouds and looking down at you and pointing his finger and he's condemning you and he's telling you this. And th- this is not God. This is not the picture of faith. How many mothers in their first moments with their child scream and yell and condemn their children for asking them a question? No, that's, that's over time that that comes, okay? <laughs> I'm funny today. People are laughing. It's great. No, but seriously, though, that comes from months and months and years of rubbing up the wrong way. But the beautiful thing is God the Father is not you. He's perfect, and he's all loving. He's all kind. He's all gentle. He doesn't care. He's not going to yell at you and condemn you for asking a basic question. If you've never learned to hear his voice, you need to take baby steps. And sometimes that means asking him what socks you should put on. Or in my case, no socks. Okay? Because he cares. And he will actually tell you because he wants to show you he cares. He wants to show you that he loves you that freaking much. Because he is a God that loves you that much. Amen? Okay. So the steps of faith are taken, and see how it's all going back to intimacy? It's so good. Okay. Steps of faith, James 2. Number five, perseverance. All right, I have three verses on this. Four. Four verses on this. I have James 1, 3. I'm just, you're just going to write these down, okay? I'm going to only say one or two of them out loud. James 1, verse 3. 1 Timothy 6, 11, and 1 Peter 1, 7. Joel preached an entire message on persevering faith, okay? And his message could be summed up in those things, and I think it was Proverbs something else that I had, like, all kind of encompassed his message in Scripture. And the reality is, is I don't have a house yet, but the word came. And, and just, you know, and, and it's not just a house, like, the house is nice, but, like, really, I'd like to pay my bills every month without worrying about where the money's coming from. Like, as a human, like, that's just a reality. Like, when you're, when you're living like this, where it's like, I don't know, like, there's $600 of expenses that have to happen because I have two and a half kids and a wife that need to eat. And I'm a big guy that likes to eat. Okay? How is that going to happen in the next month? The reality is, is... If I just am like, and the Lord is saying to me, like, this is where you're at, but I've called you here because I need to show you that I provide. Look, he tells me over and over again, he's going to be my provider. He tells me over and over again what my future is going to look like. And my future, he keeps saying, is like way down the line, and I'm trusting him for that, okay? But I don't even know if I fully believe him on that yet, okay? But it's okay because in the moment, what's happening is the Lord is saying, I know you don't have enough money. I know you could work. I know you could do this. I know you could, but I've not told you to do that. And so in faith, I say, okay, I really don't want to do this. Sitting on my hands, I like to work. Thank you very much. I really like to work. I come from a long line of hardworking men. James is, okay? And every one of them burned out at one point. And <laughs> me included. And I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm serious. And... Um, but we love to work. If you meet, and if you, like my dad, he comes to visit every once in a while. He's a hardworking man. He burned out. Six-month leave of abs- absence from his job as a pastor. And, you know, he, he, he's a hard worker. My grandfather, same way. My great-grandfather. Like, I could go down the line. They're hardworking men. That's how I was raised. Strong like bull. Hard workers. And the Lord called me into a, not a hardworking profession. So you can tell how that affected my identity growing up. Because if you don't know, I was called to be a musician first. So I was a touring musician before I was a pastor. Anyways, okay, that doesn't matter. Nobody's laughing at that joke either. It's okay. Um, (laughs) Referencing my identity issues that I don't have anymore, but it's all good. Okay. So, okay, so I'm standing here in faith. I'm going to finish. I promise I'm going to land the plane here, Wendy. I promise. Okay. We're coming in. 
So I'm standing here, and I'm like, Lord, okay, I want to work because I'm a hard worker, and I love to work. I love to just do things. I love to, and the Lord's like, no, you can't do it because I've told you not to because I am going to be your provider. And truthfully, we make less money right now than we did when we were first married, okay? Which we were just the two of us living in a basement apartment for $300 a month. Now there's four, almost five of us, and we live in an upper level of a house. Okay, there's a lot more expenses right now than I had back then, and we make less money. So it's a big step of faith, because that's what it has to be at this point. Because I'm forcing, look, I, nobody, know, like, people know this. I worked for Joel last, the last couple of years. I roofed, okay? I don't love roofing, but I like roofing. Um, Joel calls me all the time and tells me how many roofs I could do and how much money I could make. And I love him, and I just tell him, Joel, I love you. But God has told me, no, I'm sorry. And I'm literally sometimes crying because I'm like, I could make $1,000 so fast. <laughs> like, it's terrible. But the reality is, is I want to be obedient. Because if God speaks a word and he tells me, look, I have a whole other sermon about how righteousness is about obedient faith. Okay? Just read the book of Romans. Righteousness is obedience of faith. It's the obedience of the word and stepping in it. And so, look, I want to be that. And so I try to live that by saying, I don't want to do this, Lord. I want to work. Because the Bible talks about those men who don't provide for their families being worse than the unbeliever. That's a hard thing. The beauty, though, is, I mean, I still kind of work, okay? <laughs> Just hold it on to that one. <laughs> it's okay. No, but that's constantly, as a man, as a provider, that's constantly going through my mind. I want to be that. But when the Lord has spoken to both my wife and I about this, I am not about to say no to him. It's a season. Amen. And truthfully, like you guys provided this morning, like there are so many of you in this room that you know who you are, who have blessed us over and over again, where the Lord gives you a word to give us money or to give us something, and like you have no idea how desperate we are. Like $6 in our bank account, and we have two weeks, and we have to figure out how to get gas to get our kid to school and us to work and back. And it's like we don't even know how we're going to do this because the tank is on empty. And then people just give us money. Oh, the Lord told me that you're going to need money today. Like, Woo! You don't know how many weeks of that has happened since January. It's nuts, okay? But the purpose, I'm getting, I swear I'm going to get somewhere and land this plane. The purpose is that he's spoken a word, and I'm walking by faith, not by sight. Because I want to be obedient in faith, and I want to take steps of faith, because it proves my faith. That's what James says. It proves my faith to take steps. And so I'm taking the baby steps like a little baby I am in my faith that God is my provider. And I'm slowly learning that God is actually my provider. That he is actually going to provide every need. Because you know what the beauty I've learned of this season is? Is that if I end up with tons of money one day, I will still know he's my provider. Because it's not my money that's my provider. It's him that's my provider. And I will always have the testimony, the story, the reality of going through this season. Which I felt like I've gone through this season a million times in my life. But clearly there's more for me to learn from this season, right? Because I'm still back here, okay? But it's good. And I will always have this testimony. Like, how many people have heard the testimony of their grandparents being like, I walked up and down, bo- up the hill both ways to get to school, and all I ate for lunch, breakfast, and dinner was one meal, actually, and it was a piece of bread with butter on it. <laughs> like, but the thing is, is they have a testimony of how they survived, how they persevered, and how the Lord provided for them. And that's really, I believe that's a big part of what this season is, is the Lord is returning me back to you. Who is your provider? And it's, it, Amanda and I both have been in this reality of the provider is the one I need to be intimate with. That's my priority. And so I have to be intimate with him, even if I don't feel like it. Are you with me? Okay, so perseverance means that even if I don't see it, I'm going to walk towards it anyways. And this is what the Bible says. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. All right. Revelations. Revelation. Uh, Revelation. 
I love to look at the beginning and the end to inform my theology, as you should. I look at what was it like in creation and what is it going to be like in heaven. We fortunately have a book that describes both those things. I think it's important to have a big picture view, not just to go in close and detailed on the one little thing, but to have a big macro view of our theology before we create it. So I don't get hung up on one scripture. I inform my theology, my thoughts about God, about the big picture. Are you with me? So I go to the beginning and the end. I make sure I cover my basis. Revelation 14, 12. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And it's referencing in that passage, I, don't, I didn't study too, too much that passage, but it's referencing Jesus just is calling the endurance of the saints to hold fast to their faith. Are you with me? So if it's important on judgment day, it's important today. If you would change how you live, if Jesus showed up right now and blew the horn for judgment day, you're living wrong. If it's important on judgment day, it's freaking important in this moment. You with me? So, where do we go from here? You have five ways to build your faith. Intimacy, which is really the only way, but it's the, everything points back to it. Intimacy, imitate the faith of those you admire. Learn it in the scriptures, like go to the scriptures. Take steps of faith, like do something with your faith. Do something, anything. Oh, I love this. I'm just going to say this. Um, Chris Valentin and, and Bill Johnson say this. You can't, it's really hard to steer a parked car. It's really hard to turn if you're not moving. Like, you're not moving, so you're not turning, that's for sure, right? Are you following that analogy? You can't change. So, the very least, run at something. If you're not believe, like, if you have something in your mind that you feel like the Lord, yeah, I'll get the worship team to come back up. This is a good time. Sorry. Thank you, Chris, for doing that. <laughs> Ooh, he's great. Um, okay. So, if you're not running at anything, run at something. Please, by all means, if you don't have faith that you're hearing God clearly, this is where risk is so important in the kingdom. And I, what I love about our culture is it's a risk-reward culture. Because we believe in wealth. And how many people know that you can't build wealth without risk? Come on. If you have money, you know you cannot build wealth without risk. Okay? If I want to be full of wealth, of faith, I need to take risks in faith. Okay? And so that means is, as I'm learning something, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to step out in faith. Okay, so that means when I hear a word from the Lord, and I go, I don't know if that's real, I'm going to take a step towards it. Because at the very least, he can go, actually, Justin, you took a step here, but I needed you one step to the right. And you're like, well, I'm already in motion, so sure, here we go. I'm already there. But if I'm still standing back here, there's no moving me. There's no changing... I'm still back here. And the Lord's like, but I've called you 17 steps down there already and to the right, but you're not even going anywhere. So you're stuck here. So you're not going to grow any faith by not moving. Are you with me? And faith without works is dead. Okay, so you can't move a parked car. It's hard to steer a parked car. Impossible, okay? So move at something. So here's what I want to do. We're going to stand. Okay, some of you like me, remember, like, I joked a lot about, like, trying to manifest your own faith this morning. I, I joked about that. I'm going to stand up here so you can see me. I joked about that because that's me, okay? I'm not looking at you, condemning you for doing that. This reality, I have never heard preached from a pulpit in my entire life. The definition of faith the Hebrew word and the Greek word, and really getting that understood. I had never heard people actually define this this way before this week. And so maybe you're like me, where you were just, you've been trying because you deeply really want to be like that person who's crying out to Jesus, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. So maybe that's your posture this morning. 
Or maybe that's now your corrected posture this morning. And I just encourage you in this moment, the Lord is not, like this is the beauty of the Lord. He's not condemning you. He's not looking down at you and laughing at you for trying to manifest your own faith because he's just happy you're trying something. Can I say that? He's just happy you're trying something. But now that you know better, you know better. Okay? Right? Say, yes, I know better. Okay? But what that means now is you can now take the posture of the disciple or the person calling out to the Lord. Lord, I want more faith. Because this is the posture. God, I want more faith. I don't, I, I don't have enough. And so like me, in some areas of our life, maybe this is you, and this is what I want us to do as, a, as collectively, but I'm also going to have the ministry team come forward. Ministry team, if you want to come pray for people, that'd be great. But for those of you, before you leave, like we're going to have a soft close, which means you can just trickle out through the back quietly. We're going to have a time of just reflection and of ministry time here. So if you want, there's more coffee. Go hang out, talk to people back there, out, out behind the doors, okay? But for right now, before you do that, I want you to just reflect like, Lord, truthfully, I know I want more faith in an area. And, and honestly, just tell him where that faith gap is, the faith deficit. Because look, we're not in heaven, so there's going to be a faith deficit. There just is. That's just who we are. That's what creates a hunger in us. He always shows you that there's actually more of a deficit that you can go after him for. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. He satisfies you and keeps you hungry at the same time. And so just close your eyes. And, and for those of you who, who need that, just say, Lord, I have a faith deficit right here. And I, I want to believe more, Lord. I want more faith. Speak a word, Lord. Give me a scripture reference. Paint a picture in my mind. Lord, speak through somebody else to confirm and affirm. And to, so that I might hear and get the revelation and to build faith, Lord, in this area. So that's you just meditate on that. If, if you need a prophetic word, these people are going to prophesy over you. Because there's no shame in that. I want to reiterate that. There's no shame. But after you get their prophetic word, go home and take it to the Lord and say, Lord, if you have said this, confirm it in my life and ask him for your next step. No matter how silly it is, no matter how little it is, no matter how big it is, ask him for your next step. Okay? So if you need that, come forward. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. And I just bless you. I, I pray that this morning really changes you for the rest of your life. That you never have to wonder about how to build your faith again. But that you can rejoice and celebrate that you know that there's the gift of faith from the Lord for you forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for the gift of faith because that's what your word says it is. It is a gift of faith. I thank you for that gift, for the assurance of things hoped for, things that we cannot see. I thank you that I don't have to live in this earthly reality that is crazy and insane, but I get to live in your reality with my head in the heavenlies. That I get to be blessed by the true reality that's happening all around me. That I can walk down the street, Lord, and I carry the reality of the kingdom that no matter what's happening around me, that your goodness is still true. Your faithfulness is still true. Your love for me and all people is still true. And that I can carry that in me everywhere I go. And so, Lord, I, I just pray, God, for the faith in this room to arise. Lord, let faith arise in this room. And God, would it seep out into the streets this week? Lord, would you convince us and persuade us of your truth? Would you change the realities? Would you transform our minds? And God, would we start to see your reality? God, would the negative be turned into a positive in our lives? Because that's who you are, Lord. That's who you are. All things work together for good. 
for good. And you are good. Yesterday, today, and forever, it's unchanging. You are good, Lord. So I thank you for your goodness, for your unchanging, steadfast love, for the gift of faith, Lord. Would this week be a week of faith? Would we have testimony after testimony of the way that you moved in people's lives in faith this week? Would we be hungry for faith in this house this week? Would we thirst for faith, Lord? Because we know that faith, acting in faith is what counts us as righteous. So Hebrews 11 says, so stir us for more faith this week, God. 